That was that. I like. What do you think about our edits to our soundtrack? Good, because I did them. <laughs> no, oh, the serious, the real ones you did. It sounded oh, like you were just kidding. No, I was serious, Jared. Oh. I'm always serious, Jared. Oh, you, right. can you see it in my eyes, Jared? How serious I am? I can't really see your eyes because it's kind of dark in here, but I see your fingers moving. Can you out there? Can you see it in my eyes? Can you feel it in my touch? Why are you looking at the? Screen. Uh, the computer. Because then I don't have to look at you, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Zinger. No, that sounded like, um, it sounded different that time. I was paying attention that time. I did a little something, something there. Yeah. But yeah. The, it was, sounded good. Thank you for something, something. Yeah. A little something, something with the little something, something. About time you did something. That's something. right. Hello, folks. I am Jarrett Weimer. I am Martin Meyer. This is Outside the Mic, where we banter and talk things music and non-music Related. Absolutely. <laughs> Something like that. That's sort of a barometer of how our shows are going to go, just mm-hmm. how long it takes us to get to the actual introduction. We're of paraphrasing. Our show. We are. <laughs> what does that mean exactly? That means when you, when you don't want to say the whole thing. So yeah. you're just like, here, here's point A, point B, let's go home. Oh. Paraphrasing. So what does that have to be like? Para. What's the root word para? Because you have parachute. So does that mean when you're parachuting, you're... Break it down even further. Pair, meaning two. Point A, point B. Might I go on? I think you're making it up because I don't no. think you actually know anything about etymology. Do you not understand Remember. the whole thing behind this? We are, we got, we are bantering. I don't even know what we're doing. Never mind. We're, we got, we are bantering. <laughs> we are parachuting at, and our parachute just did not open. I think right there, that was the problem yep. with that. But we totally just uh, body slammed the ground <laughs> on that deal. We did. Drag in for tomorrow. We did. Thank you and welcome and thanks for listening. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on that because we spent too much time on that before probably. But we're actually excited. We're above 600 listens now. How about that? That's awesome. So, yeah. That's awesome, I think. Yeah. When we hit that mark, I was I was pretty stoked. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it just stalled. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, yes, we made it to 600. And then it was like one, yeah. two. There's always this midweek three. where you're like, Look at that. It's really taking off. And then by Wednesday, it's yeah one. Yeah. Like I listen and then my mom listened. That's what happened. I, I think that's what happened. How about you out there? We put you in charge of marketing because you know what? Maybe, maybe you need to just have more excitement in your life. And so you should be marketing outside the mic. Yeah. We're, we're going to try to do a little bit more on that side of it. You know, you have a lot of fun and then you get a real, you do realize that this is something that if you want it to grow, you're going to have to kind of address that thing called marketing. Marketing. And let me tell you, it takes work. It's not easy. We've developed Odie. 
Yeah. Our little, little Odie. OTM mascot. Oh, I love, yeah, you called him Odie. That's that's his name, Odie. Oh, that's so precious. Which was a fun kind of thing that we've started doing just promotional wise. Yeah. Uh, but it's hard to figure out how to engage everyone correctly and mm-hmm. uh, efficiently to get most feedback and listeners. The optimal feedback. Optimal. That's true. <laughs> and if you don't know what we're talking about, Odie is that little dude. That is our baby, and mm-hmm. we refer to him as such. And if you are, because most of the people, I feel like most of the people who are maybe connecting with Outside the Mic are those who are following us on our Facebook page, Outside the Mic. Yes. And we have maybe not posted as much as we should on there, but who cares? You know, we post it and people are, you see it when you see it. Oh, by the way, we might change our release date. <clears throat> oh, yeah. We've been. About that. Yeah. We've been talking about um, and doing a lot of research on, you know, just what's the, the primo time of the week to be releasing podcasts. And, and yeah. it makes sense, but we found out that it's at the beginning of the week. And uh, mm-hmm. we kind of missed the ball by releasing on a Friday. So we're, we're looking at doing a, uh, a Monday. Was that what we were talking about? Yeah. And in fact, you had mentioned at one point the Monday morning drive. Yeah. As far as the long episodes. So that should have mm-hmm. been a clue for us right there. Yes. Right. People starting their work week, maybe looking for a distraction. You're trying to transition from weekend to your work week. I think they've proven that's the best time to release a podcast. I hope when you're driving to work Monday morning, you're not looking for a distraction. You're not seeking a distraction. Well, maybe maybe we worded that incorrectly. Maybe <laughs> maybe there's another word for it. But yeah. We're not no. encouraging not to have all hands on the wheel. Yeah, of course not. Well, that's a nice thing about an audio type show. That's right. Yeah. So this is a podcast, which I, we talked about that. I love that aspect of it being like listening to the radio. Like in Absolutely. the days back in LA and I listened to KNX 1070, which had a lot of talk radio stuff on. And I loved that during drive time in LA because I could listen and be focused on the road at the same time, which was very important to me. Okay. Okay. Jeez. And you know, you have driving and then you have flying. So I don't know why I was just thinking about it. Something we did. If you have, if we have any listeners that happen to be pilots, which I imagine we probably do. And I took, you know, took us up for a spin, Jared and I, the other day. And uh, I've been a pilot for, I don't know, 20, 20 years, something like that. I think it's <laughs> that, been about. That's not that's, true. <laughs> A lot of it's true, Jared. Let me let me finish. So anyway, I ran it a little Cessna 172, and we went flying out. I think we went first over Angostura Reservoir and up by Crazy Horse. Just a beautiful morning. Sun was coming up. We flew and we, over Crazy Horse? Well, yeah. You, you said, can we fly over Crazy Horse? And that's, I was like, that's yeah. Not that's not true. That's not true. Well, some of it's true let me let me just geez yeah the point is when you're in a okay compared to let's contrast in your commercial airline and you're like at 16,000 18,000 feet and you're Marty, up there and you, what are you uh, talking about man well, can you let me just finish my my thought, Jared? So you're up high and you see so much. You're way up there and things look like ants. And as compared to this is the comparing contrast in a little Cessna, you're just flying out of Hot Springs Airport. And if you've ever had a chance to to fly in, Mar- a, in Marty, what what is your point here? Air, well, you enjoyed the flight, right, Jared? No, 
I didn't. That, that's not true. You 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 did. You in fact you got you well, you got air sick. I did not. I did not get air sick. I, I, I said I, I just took you on a little joyride. You, you if you were up in you the, didn't. You're you're not a pilot. <laughs> this is not true. Listen, listen. Okay, okay, okay. It's important to hear this out, Marty. You can't fly an airplane unless you're trained and and you become a qualified pilot. Okay, but really, folks, no. So if you if you just let me kind no. of continue, you, Jared. <laughs> no. You're not. You're you're not a pilot. Okay, listen. Let's start the first. Let's start first thing. You are not a pilot. Okay. Well, then why'd you go up with me? I <laughs> I didn't go up with you. I I didn't. You're not a pilot. Uh, okay. Well. Uh, all right. Let's just leave it alone. So if you. Okay. So why, I was talking. Okay. Why is it so important that people believe you're a pilot, Marty? Well, it's it's not him important then then why did you go through all that effort to make that up that didn't take any effort (laughs) it's a it's a figure of speech okay okay listen well okay i'll give you this you've flown a lot as a passenger your your whole life you and your family travel a lot uh you know probably even a frequent flyer a lot Mm -hmm. of folks out there uh, are probably frequent flyers you know sign up reward points you get that but listen and this is important, Marty. No matter how many miles you accumulate, they do not just upgrade you to pilot. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you got me there. All right. So I'm I'm not a pilot. You know, but there's there's a lot of people out there who aren't pilots, right? There's there's a lot of people. Why did you, why did you come here and say this? What, okay, what possessed you to come on OTM and say, I'm a pilot? Well, I just didn't recall that I wasn't a pilot. You mean you forgot you weren't a pilot? No, I just didn't recall not being one. Marty, (laughs) what's the difference? I mean, what? You forget, you recall? The the difference, Jarrett, is like the difference between, like, between Alzheimer's and amnesia. Okay, why did you come on here and lie? Hey, all right, geez, okay, I already said I'm not a pilot. No, no, I said you're not a pilot, and begrudgingly you admitted it. What? Did I say that wrong? Oh, it's begrudgingly, isn't it? Begrudging? I don't know. I can't see. Begrudgingly, you admitted it. Okay. We got to start this over? No, edit. That was beautiful up to there. Okay. That's all we got Okay, okay, okay. Ep 6, take 2. Action. Okay, why are you kicking a stick with a dead horse? Oh, my God. Jarrett. Marty, the phrase is beating a dead horse with a stick. You know, so use it right or just leave it alone. The point is you lied. Ladies and gentlemen, my co-host came on here and lied. And and I want I want to know, why did you come on here and lie, Martin? Why did I lie? Yeah. National policy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. National oh, policy. good. Where does that take us? That takes us into a little bit of fact check time, Begr- Martin. Begrudgingly. All right. <laughs> it Take it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Grudgingly. Never Grudgingly. Yes. There we go. Folks, it is now time for fact 
Check. That's a fact. Check. That's a fact. Check. We got a lot of them. <laughs> That's a fact. Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Czechoslovakia. I like that. I like that. Hey, and that reminds me. Not that we're, well, maybe we'll throw it out there. I like fact check because we have our cute little let's fact jack thing. But by the way, I think a lot of people, here's one of those we're going to throw it out to our listeners. Mm -hmm. When we do our little let's fact jack, how many people know where that came from? And I'm not going to say where it came from right now, but it was one of my favorite flicks. That's all I'm going to say. One of my favorite comedic actors as well, but nobody's actually mentioned anything I'm curious to see how many people know <laughs> yeah, I guess. where that comes from. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Very cool, Mr. Yeah, Pilot. There you go. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> okay, fact check time. So we talked about... Mm -hmm. and, no, it's, that it's not home time. It's yeah, fact it was that airplane check sound time. that you enjoyed while you were up flying around. Okay. Yeah, I got sick. Okay. Sick of you. <laughs> All right, fact check time. Does Santa Claus get old? In episode five, Mondegreen, we talked about uh, our good buddy Mike, who is the buff, sexy... Uh, Santa Claus. Did we call him sexy? Or I'm calling just trying him sexy. To like, He's looking uh, good. Yeah, you're trying to up the ante on this show, get a little more intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and it worked, okay? Okay, good. <laughs> we'll see about that. <sighs> All right. Okay. Good one. Let me find my notes. Okay, so does Santa Claus get old? Well, <laughs> it was pretty... I mean, I'll just let the story uh, say it for itself. So here we go. Um, I found on Mystic Christmas blog... We've got uh, Old Saint Nicholas, mm -hmm. also known as Santa Claus. Of course. Was born in an unknown month of 270 AD. He's got other names too, right? But Chris Kringle. Yeah. Oh, there, that's the one I'm thinking mm -hmm. of. Yeah. There you go. So that means this year, or as, well, actually as of 2019, I believe, uh, he would now be 1,750 years old. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. How, how old? <laughs> what? 1,750 years old. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. He's just getting into his prime. Okay. The date is most likely <laughs> shrouded in mystery to protect the baby claws from possible temporal incur insertion? Incursion. You and your etymology. That would be... An, Listen, an I didn't write this, okay? <laughs> Let me see the word. Okay, Can I see it? Oh, Jay Ray, these young kids these days. You young uh, whippersnapper. To protect from in, an incursion... I think you're right. Back when I went to school, like we an, walked uphill both ways. That's right. And we lived in a cardboard box out in the street. <laughs> Nate Cheese. What is it again? It, it, cardboard. It's, I think it's like an incursion or insertion, like an insurrection. But that's Excuse weird. Excuse me? I, <laughs> circumcision. Okay. It's, it's a circumcision. Oh, era. Santa. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, he would be attacked by uh, Nefor Nefarious Time travelers. Can I see that? I don't know. I didn't write that. Would be, no, it would be nefarious. That's the one. Jared. Yeah, give maybe, it back. I'm reading Maybe next this. time you can come to school prepared. All right. All right. <laughs> nefarious time travelers. St. Nick technically died on St. Nicholas Day, December 6, 343 AD at the age of 73. You're laughing. This isn't funny. He died. What? Yes. No, go back. No, now listen up. Okay, I'm listening. I'm not going back. We're going forward. Okay, Pops. Despite, despite being an immortal demi-angel born of an angel father and a human mother, Santa is vulnerable to his evil twin brother, Claudius. This is all news to me. This is all true. In addition, yeah. he did not have his full range of powers as he lived and aged like a normal human for the first 73 years of his life. 
a heavenly requirement to prove himself worthy of his Father Christmas powers, Claudius, who later became known as the notorious Anti-Claus, <laughs> heinously dispatched Nicholas in a rage-filled fit of jealousy. Wow. Angelic forces led by Santa's father, Serengio, intervened and resurrected Nicholas right. as Santa Claus on Christmas Day, December 25th, 343 A.D. <clears throat> I might I go on. So did the Bible take this from Santa Claus story or did the Santa Claus story take it from the Bible? Sounds this like was Old Testament angel times. Evil. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it sounds very familiar <laughs> to me. Um, if we only count his life after his miraculous rebirth, then the supernatural king we know as Santa Claus would be 1,676 years old. Santa does indeed celebrate his original birth into this world along with his resurrection on Christmas Day amid his furious global gift deliveries. His furious global gift Furious, they call it? Furious, yeah. F-U-R-I-O-U-S. Yeah, that'd be furious. Wow. I'm aware I knew that. Yeah, I I mean, that's fast, fast and furious. Santa has to be fast and furious. That's right. Yeah. Like Vin Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> that fast. I, I don't think he was in that movie, but... He was. Vin Diesel was in that movie. Oh, speaking of And so of movies, was Santa Claus. Real quick, I have a lot of things about... We have a the new roving reporter, Jeff, who checks on a lot of things for <laughs> us. He said, he said, Martin, it's not Martin Scorsese, it's Martin Scorsese. Very okay. good. But um, I'm not um, done with Santa Claus. Yeah. Oh, really? It's been like 10 minutes. Go Hold ahead. on. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Upon his rebirth, he was imbued with extra powers due to his father being promoted to an archangel in heaven. This makes Santa Claus just about the most powerful paranormal being on earth. The only known archangel human hybrid. A force for good that directs the spirit of Christmas to bring feelings of joy, selfless giving, and peace on earth among humankind. Might I go on? Goodwill toward men! <laughs> Yay! Oh, oh, oh. Peace on earth. Wow. I, I Will you go on? No, please do not go on. Does Santa Claus get That's... old? No, but yes, he is 1,750 years old as okay. of 2019. So I would say, and again, back to, I, I heard this from our buddy Jeff too. He said, Santa Claus is definitely immortal. Thus, he can survive on cookies, cocoa, and sugar, and he's the only one that can do that. Wouldn't that be nice if he could do that? Really, imagine that. That's all you have to eat is like hot cocoa. Would you get sick of it, though? Cookies and hot cocoa and No, but I'd get a clogged sticks. artery. You, you would, but not <laughs> Santa Crista, Clossy, Cardovia, whatever that. Why are we making that. you out to be like a Swiss? I have no idea, but there were so many <laughs> names and so many things thrown in there that now I'm as confused about Santa as I am about Star Wars. How about that? Or is it one and the same? Whoa. May the force be with Chris Kringle. Moving on. It might be one and the same. <laughs> Speaking of which, really quick. Okay. I, I diverge. A I digress. Bit. I digress. Thank you. That's, I think with us, it's more like a diverge, but yeah. I digress too. And, you know, you had mentioned that to me, and I have kids, and mm-hmm. the movie, which was Herbie the Love Bug. Oh, yeah, dude. Because I forgot, because talking about I'm as confused, obviously it's not as confusing as Star Wars, but I remember as a kid... There was Herbie the Love Bug, and then there was probably like what the next one was like Herbie the Bug that loved, and then there was probably the Hate Excuse Bug, the me? Revenge of Herbie, and he attacked everyone. And you are talking to an avid Beetle enthusiast. Oh my! Well, it goes the Love isn't Bug. That a pro- it okay. goes 
Shoot, how does it go? Uh-huh. Herbie rides again. Herbie rides then again. Then it goes, Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. You actually know this on the top yes, of Yes, and then it goes, Herbie goes bananas. <laughs> and finally, we have the fall of Lindsay Lohan, Herbie fully loaded. The fall of Lindsay Lohan. No joke. She was in that movie. Yes, she was. And then now we have the Transformer Bumblebee movie with the <laughs> bug. So is yes. that part of the series? Uh, no, they're just, they're cousins. If Disney owned it, it would be. They'd it probably. Suck it right in yeah, there. Herbie would else. just destroy Bumblebee though. Okay, <clears> so <throat> I'm done with Herbie. <laughs> what's, what's okay, so next up on our fact check is uh, I we wanted to know what the acronym ASMR stands for. That's right, we did. And um, my track Always record of pronouncing moving round. Always something moving round. That was it, right? <laughs> that should be it. That's not it. Um, okay. No, it's not. Okay, it's not. Uh, <laughs> if my nose was running money, I'd blow it all on you. But it's snot. It's not. <laughs> Very good. Well, tell us what it is then. Okay, ASMR means, gosh, and I'm going to butcher this too, Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Yes, and it's a calming, pleasurable feeling often accompanied by a tingling sensation. This tingle is said to originate in a person's head and spread to the spine, and sometimes to limbs, in response to stimulation. The stimuli that triggers ASMR vary from person to person. Some of the most common ones include whispers, white noise, lip smacking, having a person's complete attention, as in having one's hair cut by a hairdresser, what? As well as brushing, chewing, tapping, scratching, and crinkling. What? This is, and this is supposed to do what for you? I mean, it kind of, it's like, it it essentially just kind of gets, gets your senses off a little bit. It's like, it feels good. Exactly. It doesn't stop. It doesn't. What is it about whispering? (laughs) What is it about whispering? No. I like whispering. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take no new listeners and then go, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah, we about? just lost all 600 <laughs> listeners right there. It's been fun. I like the way you attribute <laughs> how many listens we have to how many listeners we actually have. That's no, I said, like did I say listeners? Oh, listeners. Yeah, no. that's fine. That's I'd fine. like to think we have 600. Someday. Okay. Go on, fact checker. Anyways, that was ASMR. Now, um, we we did talk about, and you're probably going to have more to talk about this. No, um, wait. Let's go back just for a second. So ASMR, is this something where technically you actually have like licensed therapists who do ASMR too then? Because you hmm. said something about tapping on people's nose. No. Are so, there... <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess I don't know actually, but if you Google ASMR, it's like a bunch of teenagers like tapping on their microphone and crinkling and... <laughs> Teenagers tapping on their microphone. I, you ASMR. just Google it. I don't know. Look it up. I'm not. It's not my thing. Can always uh, count on you. My wife is the one that told me about yeah. ASMR. Mm-hmm. She's really into, you know, up to date with all this stuff. Trust <laughs> Jarrett to move us from one fact check to a new fact uh, check. Thank you very it's much. It's called job security. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's right. No, what it means is we don't do a thorough <laughs> enough check, but maybe. Okay. 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 Next one we've got is um, we talked about Leader Holsens. And oh, whether, we did. whether or not it was an Irish thing or if it was, a, I said, it, I think it's a German thing. I don't you said believe anyone said thing. Irish. Yeah. But we were ahead. talking about, we were talking about the Irish and we, then I said Lederhosen. Like, yeah, we were talking about funsies. Funsies. Okay, and we called somebody right. a Fonzie or something like that. Anyway. <laughs> you said he's got his Lederhosen on backwards. Yeah, Fonzie. Yeah, that's the <laughs> yeah. one. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no, you're wrong. Um, History of Lederhosen's and, uh, and here it goes. Okay. <clears throat> 
In recent years, the tradition is Santa Claus. Just oh curious. Oh my gosh. No, go ahead. Okay, leader. Let me let me actually fast forward a little bit. Lederhosen's, the Lederhosen, which are said to have emerged in the Alpine regions of Germany and Austria, were the trousers, the trousers of the working peasant <laughs> community. Don't succeed. <laughs> yeah. They were sturdy and held up to the rigorous work of the time. However, leather trousers were actually worn in many regions of Europe by riders and also hunters. But it was in the south of Germany, or Bavaria, that a unique style developed a pair of leather trousers with a front drop flap. (laughs) Who developed it? Uh, It says in the south region of Germany, uh, also known as Bavaria. They're the ones that designed the the lederhosen with the, the flap. Okay. And they call it, the style became quite popular. And in France, the style was dubbed a la Bavarose. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Or Again. a Bavarian style. Could you come to school prepared next Anyways, week? Anyways, I'm mm-hmm. no English major, okay? No, you're not a pilot either. <laughs> and neither are you. Okay, all right. Moving all right, on. on. Lederhosen's, they, they descended from Germany. Done. German, they on. are German. That's so yeah. they actually are German. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. German. All, that's the ultimate bottom line fact. That's check. what we they were trying to get around German. to. I could have just said, yeah, they're German, but Lederhosen is yeah. German. I'm so the happy leather to pants with a flap in the front. Uh, they're leather pants with a flap in the front. My little fact check. Um, you can come. Are you done with your fact checks? Do I think I am check? done. Nope, I am done. Okay, I always um, forget for some reason, but now I remembered, and I just want to mention one of the other books. Um, I know I've been plugging him, but I think, I think this is some good stuff, especially for somebody who might be looking for just a, I don't know, you're at a point in your life where you're going to try to eat a little different. Anyway, Dr. Gundry, Dr. Stephen Gundry, the book that I could not think of was called Longevity Paradox. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about it, and again, not to just, but you know what, we're touching all sorts of, uh, vibes here on OTM, but we've already visited Herbie in the Star Wars we have. galaxy. So. <laughs> just, we are reaching out there. We got tentacles going everywhere. In might as well right talk now, about so. the longevity paradox. We might as well. But if you've ever heard, have you ever heard of a blue zone, Jared? Um, often I just, I just refer to it as a bruise. <laughs> You're not. You're not on board with what I'm talking about. So oh, you don't know what a blue zone is really, do you? Well, if I just down some gluten-free snickerdoodles. Okay. And is that my on board? <laughs> you do not qualify. Okay, a blue zone, they studied blue zones and it's the area the areas on the planet where people live the longest. The like, areolas? The areolas on the planet. <laughs> the planet actually has areolas, and yeah. those people that live on those areolas live the longest. Uh, no, it's the, the area, there's one in Southern Cal. I don't know where the other ones are, and I don't care right now, but a blue zone is a place where, for some reason, people live longer. They live to be 100 and plus. Hmm. And so there's not not just Dr. Gunder, but a lot of people have studied the blue zones, the blue zones, the, the blue zones, the blue zones. They studied, he studied their bosom. the bosom. They did. And they, Dr. Gundry, stop. They Get your out. hand off my bosom. Oh, Marty. <laughs> I'm sorry. You do it to me all the time. I okay, do. go for it. I'm, this uh, is good though. This is, means something. Thank you. It does. Well, it makes sense, right? I mean, yeah. if you're going to, if you're going to do something to try to live longer, you would look at people touch who somebody's live bosom. You would touch somebody's bosom too. And that'll help you live longer. Mm. But blue zones are where people live really long. And Gundry studied those, and that's part of longevity paradox is about that. So there we go. Oh, okay. All right. Very cool. Well, okay. and I've heard about Dr. Gundry. Now, doesn't he also talk about uh, lectins and, and mm-hmm. overall gut health, too? Yeah. That's how I first found yeah, out Yeah, it's, it's really about the, which they, they call the, uh, 
you know, your flora and your flora, gut, your right. bacteria and all that stuff. So, right. which, uh, not look to it be up. mistaken Peeps. for fluoride, a lot of, not to be mistaken for fluoride, lots of stuff going on between those little bacteria down in your gut and your brain. And they're telling you what to eat. They demand that you eat gluten-free snickerdoodles. Well, no, they demand you eat bad food usually because that's <laughs> what you got in your gut most of the time. <laughs> Enough of that. <sighs> One more thing I wanted to touch on because we didn't remember when Dan Fogelberg died. I didn't think you knew that he died, actually. I didn't know. Apparently, in May 2004, Dan was diagnosed with advanced prostate cancer. So mm. he underwent therapy. It went into partial remission. The old, you know, the age-old story you hear with a lot of people, it's too bad. It happens, and it seems like they're going to be okay, and then it comes back, and that's what happened with him. It returned in December of 2007, died at his home in Deer Isle, Maine, at the age of 56, like I said, my age. Hmm. So it's interesting when you start to get to those middle-type years and you realize just how many people, and that's why we talk about, I guess, taking care of yourself a little bit too. Let's get serious here on OTM. Anyway, there was a song. His wife at the time, his widow, he was married three times, uh, Jean Fogelberg, announced that sometimes a song, which was written and recorded by Dan for her on Valentine's Day 2005, would be sold on the internet, and all proceeds would go to the Prostate Cancer Foundation. So anyway, 10 years after he died, she arranged for a tribute CD, and that's the cool part, and I want to check that out. There was performances by his old friend and producer, Joe Walsh. Oh, there sweet. Was the, yeah, with the Eagles, Garth Brooks, Trisha Yearwood, Vince Gill, Amy Grant, Jimmy Buffett, Michael McDonald, Randy Owen, Donna Summer, Boskegs, wow. Dobie Gray, and Zach Brown Van, and probably others. Dobie Gray, anyway. nice, Zach yeah. Brown, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So he was, he was a brilliant artist, died too young. Gone there too go. soon, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So moving on, blinded by the light. I oh, guess we're yeah. kind of we're kind Bruce of out of fact checks, but this is part yeah. of the fact check. Okay. Because I talked about the fact that I would uh, find out more about the movie, and I did, and I watched the movie. Did I tell you that, Jared? Oh no, you did, huh? I did. Does it have? Did uh, Bruce Spring was he in it? He was not in it, but his music was in it. Mm. And the <laughs> gal who directed and produced uh, might have co-wrote it as well. Gurinder Chada. Say it one more time. I think I'm saying that right. Gurinder Gurinder Chada. Are you stuttering? You all right? I am not. That's her name. (laughs) She is uh, of Indian descent. She Did you ever see the movie Bend It Like Beckham? um, I think I have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you haven't, it's a really good movie and happens to be when I was looking this up after I watched the movie. It is, according to her in an interview, the only movie that was distributed in every single country on earth. Really? Yeah. Wow. Bend it like Beckham. I'm not sure exactly why, but I think hmm. it just has to do with she in her in her movie she tries to really tap into like family and family yeah. relationships and kids and their dreams and the way parents don't always immediately tie into their kids' dreams and that they have to find that middle ground a lot of times so that they can you know, they can support their kids and their dreams and the kids can feel like but it's a struggle sometimes. So the movie, I just wanna say, beyond what you know, what we think or don't think about Bruce Springsteen, which I'm learning more about him and, and actually have more respect for him now, and can only imagine what this meant to him to have a movie made that was inspired by his lyrics. Yeah. And didn't you say you didn't really care for him before we kind of looked over Springsteen or you started looking over and then we, you kind of said that you didn't really care for his music or just wasn't some of your favorite. And now. Yeah. 
Yeah, now you're saying... Yeah, and you know, it was more when I was young, I wasn't... There was some of his songs that I liked, Mm -hmm. and I think it was the whole thing about... And when you're you're a little more full of ego when you're a kid, and I'm like... It was the boss thing to me. Oh, the boss. Which yeah. was funny. I'm like, the boss? Who named him the boss? And, <laughs> you know, I was at the time trying to um, make it in music myself. Sure. And yeah. I have to say the first thing, I guess, was that Broadway deal. And I realized what a storyteller he was. Okay. First of all, first and foremost. But that's the cool part about it. you get older sometimes and you reflect on things and you realize, well, that was silly of me because I really didn't know that much about Bruce. Right. And after watching... Uh, on Broadway and realizing just how his stories and his lyrics really do on a on a level of just like your working man, uh, people who are dreaming, trying to get a better life. He really appeals to those people and hmm. you can see that. And there's another thing called Western Stars that he did. It's like his new album and he does a narrative. And anyway, watch the movie. I was touched by the movie. It's a great family movie. And it's one of those things I'm just so glad we're doing this because I don't know if I would have ever even stumbled upon that movie sure. otherwise. Yeah. But if you want a good family movie, there's some intense parts, but it's funny, it's passionate, it's inspired. And for me, the whole father-son relationship thing was really good because, you know, I lost my dad when I was not mm. too young, but um, it was it just something that makes you reflect on those kind of situations in your life. So I would recommend sure. that movie for sure. Make it relatable. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Right on. I'll have to watch that. Right on, man. Okay. Good, uh, good find. Good, good uh, way to bring it all together. Yeah, and he was a pilot. Yeah. I'm just kidding. More than pilot. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you're also yeah. not a pilot. Move on, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Well, um, you got shout outs for us? Got some shout outs for us. Um, I definitely do if we can find them here. So, oh, <laughs> wait a second. We also have, which is part of our shout outs, we had asked you folks to give us some ideas about another name for shout outs. And we got some feedback right away from, from some people out there. Mm-hmm. One of the things I heard was that people liked Whisper In. Who? Jared. Jeff Who? liked Whisper In. Yeah, Jeff. He did. Yeah. (laughs) But he said, but we have to whisper it. Oh, come on. (laughs) So not only would we be doing our whisper ins, but then we'd also be doing that ASMR, SMR, C, C, R thing. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever that was. (laughs) Because that involves whispering, right? Right. Yeah. Right. We could do that. Okay. Okay, Some other ideas besides whisper in. I'm not trying to plug that one too much. But But I um, think you are. speaking, Speaking of plugged. Jeff said he had an idea. It was called Unplugged Plug. That's kind of neat. An, un- oh, yeah. an unplugged plug. Yeah. Unplugged plug, like draining the bathtub. Yeah. But we are, we're kind of plugged in, but we're not. I but mean, we're not, but we are. Right. <laughs> but we're not, but we are. Uh, Lucy said, how about inside the community of Outside the Mic? Oh, that's kind of cool. I like that. Of course, it's not always going to be just our community, mm-hmm. but that would be applicable to shout outs for those in our local region here of hot springs nice yeah and then my uh father-in-law he texted me and he said uh he had thought about um what if we call it like mike check or or uh guest what check. <laughs> oh, check. <laughs> stop check which check. i thought was kind of cool uh we're sending out a mic check or i like, like that yeah i thought that was kind of nice i like that i like that so we did get some feedback on that one 
And Whisperin' is the winner. No. Hey. We'll do a Facebook poll. Oh. Ah, maybe we can do that. We'll do a Facebook poll. And only you and Jeff will vote and we'll we'll get it. I thought I could just pull that one in there. No, I like those ideas. Thank you. So we'd have to do the whole segment by whispering. Yeah. Just there, that part. That would be very stressful. I mean, it would sound super quiet, but it'd be kind of stressful because you'd only be able to whisper. You'd got to get really close to your mic. Yeah, it does kind of sound like ASMR now that we ASMR. Doesn't that sound like a band name too? ASMR? Live at the Palladium. ASMR. Oh, no. It's like live at the Palladium. (laughs) <laughs> and they're just like yeah and then the drummer's just like over there tapping on his i think we have something we have stumbled upon once right, again on this OTM. will be the, the last and final episode of otm look out for our future band asmr where we ASMR. just do whispering and like the little tiny drums on our microphones like this we're gonna do it people are gonna dig it they're gonna be so therapized by this all therapized is that a word yeah wow it is is. now let me look that up. we couldn't just say they're going to therapy we got to say that they're therapatizing therapatizing and can change it again jared i'm gonna look it up while you carry on with whatever you were doing (laughs) (laughs) therapized meaning Therapize is a word. Oh, God. In the dictionary, thank you very much. It says past tense, therapized, past participle, therapized, subject to psychological therapy. You don't need to therapize or fix each other. How about that? While you're having funsies. Yeah. We're just going to do live (laughs) fact checks from now on. We're just going to read from the dictionary. All right, Marty, take it away. I cannot believe therapized. (laughs) Therapized. Oh, the things you'll learn on OTM. Oh, the things you will learn. Come to us for all your knowledge. So, Jarrett, Mm -hmm. speaking of outside the mic. Yes. And how, I have no idea how long we've already been going, but we don't care anymore. We don't even pay attention. We don't to even do pay. It. We look, but we're going to say we don't pay attention. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. And now we move to the feature outside. The, the feature. Mike. Um, you like that? From now Outside. The sounds good. Pause. Mike. Yeah. Pauses. You don't have a B-side? Oh, quick B-side. Thank you for reminding me. I don't have a lot of information, so I'm going to put this one out there to listeners a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the roving reporter again. <laughs> Coming to you live yeah. from the field, Jeff. Jeff had mentioned that here is the problem. I could not find the A-side of the B-side for Leonard Skinnerd. They have a song which is called On the Hunt, which I had heard the song. Have you ever heard the song? I have not. Didn't you say it was off the album, like it, the the actual album, or there was some album that had like "Give Me Three Steps" and pretty much all of their famous, well, the ones that I know, their but their famous songs all on the same album. Is that what you're saying? Like, holy cow, what packing a punch? Yeah, but I lied. You lied. I lied again. Na- national policy. National. <laughs> So let's say you're a pilot and Leonard Skinner recorded one greatest hits album ever. Is what well, you're saying? Here's what happened. God. I had to revisit that, J-Ray. And okay. when I was looking at that Wikipedia, what they do, and I unbeknownst to me at the time, at the bottom of a Wikipedia page, <laughs> they list all this information about Leonard Skinner. Just all their hits, probably. Yeah, and it says singles, and it's got, we're going, holy Yeah, smokes. you should have heard Marty in the, he's like, holy cow. On this album, you've got Sweet Home Alabama, Freebird, 
and give me three steps all on the same. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, there I don't was, remember that. There was more. It was like I, literally every song that they ever had. And, and it did not make sense to me that it was <laughs> all on that album. And now it makes sense to me. So I'm glad I at least, you know, did my homework and found that out. Just so like Bruce Springsteen only had one number one hit. Yeah. Reminder, Leonard Skinner only had one number yeah. one album. <laughs> if you didn't hear that last time, his only number one hit came from somebody else covering his song, Manford Man's Ripped Earth up Band. like a deuce, another in the light. Read those lyrics sometime. Pretty cool. Here's the one part about the movie I kind of had a little bit of problem with. Not a problem, but the very much the pinnacle scene in the movie, mm-hmm. and he's giving a speech at his graduation, and he's talking about his original interpretation and inspiration from the lyrics blinded by the light and then when he re-listened to them and it applied more to his father Hmm. his relationship with his father how it changed his perception changed which makes sense because and this is in the movie yeah in the movie we interpret things for our own personal meaning a lot of times which is why sometimes lyrics speak to us so and i think your interpretation can change either as you get older or as situations absolutely yeah, change. Yeah. I think your interpretation of yeah even life can change. Absolutely. Whoa, that was yeah. deep. Wow, that was deep, Jared. Another <laughs> pause here. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know why you continue to to persist that we home resolution we home ourselves because it's an home resolution. That's what I'm talking about. But anyway, at that point in the movie, I decided I'm going to look up the lyrics for "Blinded by the Light." Read them sometime. If you can figure it out, you let me know because I have no idea. The, the blinded by the light part and then, you know, cut loose like a deuce or revved up like a douche, whatever you want to call it. It's the rest of it is he talked about when he wrote the song, he was looking at a rhyming dictionary. That's all I can get from that is you yeah. can see him looking at a rhyming dictionary, writing the lyrics. So they're, they're pretty non, they're, well, they're not nonsensical, but they definitely have a lot of rhyming stuff going on. And mm-hmm. anyway, so I get confused back to really quickly on the hunt. So I'm not able to find out what the A-side was. It's mm-hmm. a cool song. A lot of people, if you look, and uh, Jeff had mentioned one of his favorite songs, very cool rockin' song. I'm just going to give you, here's as much as I can say about that B-side for now, is that uh, we've got some comments on one of the pages. It said, great Skinnerd song, great if you just broke up with your <laughs> with your GF and you're on the rebound. I'm like you, baby, I'm on the hunt. This song rocks. It's oh. about hooking up. <laughs> Get this one. This song rocks. It's about hooking up with a slut and not caring if other people don't like it. Oh, my gosh. What's his name? Billy Bob? Uh, Into the Grinder. (laughs) Call him Into the Grinder. Into the Grinder. Username Into the Grinder. Man, this song is great. The little things make this so good. Like when he hums with the guitar in one of the solos. Oh. So it's only for a second or two, but it's good stuff, man. So that's kind of neat that somebody's ear picked up on that. Okay. And so that's there so, you go. There's your there's B side. There's the uh interpretation. <laughs> there there <laughs> it is. One guy's like, Oh, it's such a nice when he hums along with the guitar. I just love it. And the other guy's like, Oh, oh man, down in my trailer park we're gonna be I don't care what they say, I'm gonna go visit that old you know, down the street. With <laughs> I was waiting for, was waiting for this week's impersonation. And there right it is. There. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, thanks for that B-side. We're looking for the A-side. That's out there for our listeners to follow up on. Right on. Okay, so starting off with our segment for this week, or I should say our story for this week. Please do. Uh, We've got them. Well, before I start, have you, Marty, have you heard of the weird mystical phenomena about the the age of 27 for musicians? 
Let me think. I'm thinking. Can you hear it? Well, no, but it's interesting because my golden birthday was on the 27th. Well, you're not going to like this then. Uh Listen up. They call it the 27 Club. Mm -hmm. And there are over 25 famous musicians that died at the age of 27. What? So you haven't heard of this? I have not heard of that. How many? uh, Over 25. I didn't count. Well, then they should just call it 27. Then that'd be... (laughs) There you go. More magical. Um, Late and great musicians that are considered part of this club are Brian Jones... Jimi Br- Hendrix. Brian Jones? Yeah, from uh, Rolling Stones. He was a part of the Rolling okay, Stones. Okay, okay. Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Dickie Pride, Linda Jones, Kurt Cobain, and Louis Chauvin, who I didn't know who that was. Um, and there was a ton is. more that I didn't recognize. Okay. Um, but that's some biggies right there. That's a handful of biggies. Yeah, yeah. If you go to the wiki site for the 27 Club, there's a whole list of famous people um, that have been identified and confirmed to have died at the age of 27. Wow. That kind of spooky. That is weird. Well, I'm beyond that now. So thank goodness. But it really makes you think about, uh, like the Illuminati and like Bigfoot <laughs> Loch Ness monster being a pilot when you're actually not. Why does it make you think of Bigfoot? <laughs> I have no, idea. he's real. Okay. But you know what? You know what it makes me think about? What's that? You know what happened on my 27th birthday? What? Stubbed my toe. <laughs> Almost died. Yeah. Could have so, got infected. So close to your heart. Pal. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I fell. And I scraped, <laughs> scraped my arm. Seriously, man. I fell I did. I don't even remember my golden birthday. Really? Why but, is that? Because I was watching a Bigfoot movie <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I thought maybe there was some uh, intoxication. In I was out world. hunting Bigfoot. That's oh, what I was nice. Doing. Yeah. And they don't need to hunt for him because he's real and he has he's has supernatural powers just like Santa Claus does. So he can see you before you see <laughs> Lord. What is this episode? This is revealing a lot about okay. you. Okay. Terry Forth, J. Ray. Terry Forth, yeah. Anyways, I found out about the 27 Club um, when I was researching for this week's story. And um, I'm sure you can relate, but uh, I love how... Sometimes when you're researching this stuff, mm-hmm. how it takes you down so many rabbit holes and like weird facts that just are like awesome little specks of history that that uh, amount to such a big fascination. I love I love trailing off. Um, and what's worse, what I'm finding is kind of my, uh, becoming kind of a uh, an agitation is I'll be doing a story and I'm really feeling like it's it's going nowhere, but it has this like really cool tidbit that. Doesn't have much to do with the story, but it's really cool, but it's not big enough to like feature. So it's like, ah, crap. Right. So we need to do like a mini episode sometime where I can just be like, get all this off my chest. Oh. Yeah. Anyways. There's my vent. Good, because we need you to therapize that. Ah, therapize. Yeah. Therapize. I was wondering what was on your chest. I just thought it was a coffee stain, but. What are you talking about? Said you had to get it off your chest. Sorry. Oh. Okay, so Martin, as I know you know, about. I dig it. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as you know, I love blues music. I do know that you love blues music. Yes, I figured of all people you would know. Thank so um, I've been studying and playing blues music since I was about eleven, uh, which I that's when kind of when I started playing guitar. I was fascinated with uh, well, my first fascination was Johnny Cash, and then I moved to Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, John Mayer, BB King. Just some awesome guitar players. Any of those um, guys died when they were 11? Uh, when they were 27, you Okay, mean? sorry. 
Go ahead. <laughs> when they were 11 then. I started playing guitar when I was 11. I stubbed my toe when I was 11. When you're 27, Jarrett, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> don't. Don't put that no. out there. No, but you know what we're going to do? What? Party. Go for an airplane ride. Nope. Yeah. Definitely not. Okay. Not with you, you non-piloted mother trucker. Okay, okay. here we go. <laughs> Um, so you always hear about the crazy stories behind the lives of some famous blues musicians and how they became so iconic, mm-hmm. um, and how they became part of history. Right on. So once I started doing a little digging, I knew right away what story I was going to do. Um, so I'm just going to dive into it. So, uh, this story might be something you already know. Uh, many of you already know, I'm sure I knew, I knew of it, but it was cool to hear some some in-depth facts about it. If you don't know uh, anything about it, you should because it's a it is a mystical story that really sparks a lot of what made the phenomenon about being a musician. Wow, um, my intrigue keeps just anting up here, buddy. Good, I'm Go. trying to because yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an awesome, it's awesome, and okay. you're you're gonna know it right away. Okay, uh, whether it's a true story or not, it's a it's a story worth telling. And uh, <laughs> we don't know. know if it's true. <laughs> well, like those stories that your grandpappy told you okay. on his knee while yeah, sitting yeah. on the front porch. All right. We'd like to think we're telling true stories, but <laughs> go ahead. You could just come here and make shit up. Whether again. it's, yeah, this so, is all made up. Yeah. <laughs> go for it. All right. Let's dive into this week's story. On May 8th, 1911, mm-hmm. Robert Leroy Johnson was born in Hazelhurst, Mississippi. To his mama Julie Major Dodds and Papa Noah Johnson. Mama Julie Major Dodds? <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a song. And right she there. um old Julie, she makes the story a little spicy right from the get-go. Let me go on. Told you. Um Julie was married to was actually married to someone else by the name of Charles Dodd, hmm. who was a furniture maker. Hmm. And they had 10 children. So I I didn't get a lot. I'm not sure where Noah Johnson, which would be Robert's dad. Okay. I'm not sure where Noah Johnson came into the picture. Um, and I could not, for the life of me, find Well, him. usually the mom and dad get together and they... Well, no, but they, did you hear that? Julie was ma- married to a man named Charles Dodd. Oh. But Julie and Noah Johnson had Robert Johnson. Oh, but they didn't say whether this it was didn't a say. It second husband. Right. It all it said was, and then I went to a like a a, okay. um, a, a census, mm-hmm. an old census from this time, and mm-hmm. it basically just said uh, Julie. Uh, I think they called her Julia, Julia Dodds, and then it had Charles Dodds, and then it had it had Charles Dodds listed as her husband. It's kind of a tangled web, old Julia weaves, but. Charles Dodd was li- listed as her husband, but Noah Johnson was just listed partner. Huh. So There's you can a little put, dig you can put thing, two maybe. and two together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie did some, Julie Dodd did some dodding around, it sounds like. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a new one, too. Yeah. Be dodding around. <laughs> okay. So. Dodding around on a Saturday night. <laughs> it's having a little funsy. Um <laughs> So what had happened, what had happened was um, the two were forced to split Julia and, and Charles uh-huh. and because Charles was run off by a, a lynch mob. Now these are African-Americans led by Noah. In 1911, <laughs> by Noah, maybe <laughs> um, he, he was run off by this lynch mob because he had gotten into a dispute with a white landowner at the time. Yikes. And so Robert, who is not Charles's, son was sent to live with Charles in Memphis. 
Have you picked up on who this is about? Robert Johnson. It'd be Robert Johnson. Okay, you Thank know you. who I'm talking yeah, about. Okay, there good, I am good, with good. you. I love Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson. Okay, good. Yeah. Which he, I believe, Robert Johnson, you ever, he, you saw the movie, um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Right. Robert Johnson, he was the on sold the soul to the devil, right? And that's just what we're going to talk about today. Oh, baby. Okay. <laughs> then go. Then yes. go. I like it. Okay, so... Um, that all kind of happened around 1911. In 1919, Robert came back to Hazelhurst to live with his mother on the a- Abbey and Leatherman Plantation, um, continued to grow up there. And so through that time, uh, Robert was noted f- for playing the harmonica in the jaw harp. Do you know what jaw harp is? Uh, yes, I do. All right, I'm going to explain it just in case nobody else knows. Okay. Uh, a jaw harp, also known as a Jew's harp or mouth harp, is an instrument that consists of either a flexible piece of metal or a bamboo tongue that vibrates on a frame. You hold the instrument in your mouth and pluck the piece of metal in order to resonate different notes out of the, the harp. Um, you have to change the shape of your mouth to get different notes. Okay. So essentially, in my opinion, more complicated than playing the guitar. Mm, I suppose. <laughs> it, it could be. I don't know. I don't know about that. I would... Uh, I'm just I'm just being funny. I would consider that. Uh, oh, thank you. I was like looking at something like so. Then I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, it is also that that Johnson uh, played the guitar at the time, but was was terrible. It was poor at best. They described. Well, okay. And that is where these there are two stories. One being that famous legend that you just mentioned from Oh Brother Where Art Thou, mm-hmm. and the other one is a, a little more believable, uh, but still a little spooky. So here goes the legend. It is said that Carry wa- forth. <laughs> it is said that while working on the plantation in Mississippi, Johnson longed to be a blues musician. Hmm. Though he played harmonica well, he was a terrible guitar player. Hmm. The legend has it that Johnson took his guitar to the crossroads of highways 49 and 61 in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Okay. And that is where he met a large man. The crossroads? At the crossroads, he met okay. a large man who took mm-hmm. the guitar from Robert, tuned it. The large man is said to be the devil, old Lucifer himself. Okay, I'm familiar, yeah. And he played a few songs on the guitar before giving it back to Johnson, which in turn signifies the deal of all deals, Johnson trading his soul to the devil for a supernatural ability to play the guitar. Wow. Yes. Wow. Okay. And so his career went on. It was actually a short-lived career. Um, Johnson returned to his world where he moved frequently between Memphis and Helena. Mm -hmm. And there are currently only 29 songs in total on record of Johnson playing the blues before he died at the age of 27. 27. Mm -hmm. There we go. Um, It is not sure the cause of his death. Um, There's kind of speculation yeah, but of course the legend has it that Lucifer came down or yeah. came up well, to he, collect his debt. Heck yeah, <laughs> heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Yeah, um, but I did get a little bit of a uh, kind of a backstory, and I'm going to read just this this little uh, snippet here about his death. So um, Johnson died on August 16th, 1938, at the age of 27, near Greenwood, mm-hmm. Mississippi, mm-hmm. of unknown causes. His death was not reported publicly. He merely disappeared from the historical record, and it was not until almost 30 years later when Gail Dean Wardlow, a Mississippi-based musicologist, 
Researching Johnson's life found his death certificate, which listed only the date and location. Mm-hmm. With no real official cause of death, no formal autopsy was done as a, as a dead black man found by the side of the road near a farm. Hmm. Uh, a pro forma examination was done to file the death certificate and no immediate cause of death was determined. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying it's likely he had uh, congenit- congenital syphilis. Oh, okay. And they're saying that was pretty common back in the day, often given to by the mothers. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, where was I? I lost my spot. And it was um, suspected later by medical prof- professionals that it may have been a that the syphilis may have been a contributing factor in his death. However, thirty years of local legend and oral tradition had, like the rest of his life story, built a legend which has filled in gaps in the scant historical record. Several different story, uh, different accounts have described the events preceding his death. Johnson had been playing for a few weeks at a country dance in a town about 15 miles from Greenwood. Mm-hmm. According to one theory, Johnson was murdered by the jealous husband of a woman with whom he had been flirting with. Oh, good heavens. We've got all sorts of theories. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, It's kind of one of those things you had to be there yeah. to uh, know, probably. Yeah. Um, let's see. In an account by the blues musician Sonny Boy Williamson, Johnson had been flirting with a married woman at a dance and she gave him a bottle of whiskey mm-hmm. poisoned by her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm buying that. Yeah. And they're saying yeah. that the poison used was that, um, what was it called? Something nine. You know what I'm talking cyanide? about? Cyanide? Not not cyanide. Uh, I'll, I'll think about it here in a minute. Okay. Um, um, rat poison? Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it's probably in rat poison, but... Yeah. Uh, I'll, they had a I'll, lot of those like weird little like brews back in the day. Yes, I can't think of people off. So man, and that was a I had just listened to a my favorite murder podcast that was talking about this. Poison. You know, there's just enough of the fill in the blanks about his life to where it's open to legendary interpretation. Oh yeah, right? oh yeah. So, and yeah. it doesn't help mm-hmm. that they didn't keep great records back yeah. in that that yeah. time. Yeah. Um, um, soon after, he was offered another poison bottle and accepted it. Johnson is <laughs> reported to have begun feeling ill in the evening after mm-hmm. and had to be helped back to his room in the early morning hours. It took two bottles. <laughs> okay. So over the next three you days, go, his, Robert. his yeah, man, he ain't going down without a fight. Yeah. Um, his condition over the next few days steadily worsened. Witnesses mm. reported that he died in a in convulsive state of severe pain. Mm. The musicologist Robert Mac McCormick claimed to have tracked down the man who murdered Johnson and to have obtained a confession from him in an impersonal interview, hmm. but he declined to reveal the man's name. So they still don't know. Mystery. Um, who knows? He's probably playing into that. Um, Mystery whispery. Yes. So, um, do you know there's a movie, Jarrett? I do know. Yeah, there is a movie. Yeah, I I thought that was pretty cool. I've never seen it, and I've been wanting to see that movie. So now this will spark us. Okay, yeah. so that was the legend. Here's the other story. Yeah. Um, this one's a little more believable, but but still a little spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of cue in the spooky part. Spooky. So back to when Robert Johnson was just a, just a little kid. After school, Robert adopted the surname of his natural father. Um, which if we go back, that was um, Noah Johnson because he had gone with Charles who had changed his name to, I think it was Charles Spencer. Um, I'll have to fact check that, but I believe it was Charles Spencer. He changed his name when he moved. Remember when he was being chased by the lynch mob, he changed his name when he moved to Memphis so that maybe they wouldn't track him down. Um, so he changed it. What are you doing? <laughs> no ASMR. That's your scary soundtrack. It's, we're not to the scary part oh, okay. yet. I'm sorry. 
This is he's a young boy. Life is fine for Robert right now. Cue me. <laughs> okay, so Robert adapted the surname of his natural father, mm-hmm. uh, signing himself as Robert Johnson on the certificate of his marriage to 16-year-old Virginia Travis. Oh yeah. In February 1929. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, she died in childbirth shortly after. Um, surviving relatives, and this is kind of where they're thinking he gets where the story started. Um, <laughs> this is not it. This is oh. I'm, that wasn't no, the this, cue. That's a pretty scary soundtrack. No, that, I mean this was this is not scary, but we're getting there. We okay, just, that, this is the not scary part. As okay. you bang on your Dasani water bottle, don't plug them. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> don't plug them. <laughs> I'm blood, blood. I'll beep it out. All right. Okay. Um, surviving relatives of Virginia told the blues researcher Robert Mac McCormick that his this was a divine punishment for Robert's decision to sing secular songs. Oh, sure. At the time, mm-hmm. this was known as selling your soul to the devil. Just by not by singing non secular songs, right? Right. Yeah. Or singing secular songs. Yeah. Or secular songs. Right. Wait. So a secular song. Secular is like a means no. Secular is bad. Okay, we're gonna have to. You better double, look that up. I'm just. I, the, I stole this that. from Wiki, so there you go. I feel like um, singing secular that. songs or non-secular songs. Anyways, it was a bad, bad juju in Mississippi, and that's how they they had um, tagged that as being you're selling your soul to the devil when you're singing. Um, okay. Other music. Secular is it? Yeah, I'm, I, okay. I actually had it backwards because denoting secular means you're denoting attitudes, activities, or other things that have no religious or mm-hmm. spiritual basis. Right. So, wow, that was that was a big deal back then. Obviously, secularity is the state of being separate from religion, or of not being exclusively allied with or against any particular religion. Wow. So yeah, if you're singing secular songs, you're evil. You're evil. Oh, evil. Um, McCormick, who is the musicologist that's research, that was researching uh, Robert Johnson, believed that Johnson himself accepted the phrase as a description of his resolve to abandon the settled life of a husband and farmer to become a full-time blues musician. Boy. And that makes sense because if you think of, if you listen to blues music, you think of blues music, it's always, they're going through trial and tribulation they're down in their dumps that's mm-hmm. blues music at least yeah. at least most blues music at that time that's kind of how it was i guess that's why they call it the blues <laughs> I'm on my, yeah makes sense so around this time the blues musician sunhouse moved to robins uh robinsonville who's sunhouse now where'd he come from he was just a popular blues okay. message back right. then so butt out of my story dang it yeah where his musical partner willie uh willie brown lived Late in life, House remembered Johnson as a little boy who was a competent harmonica player, but an embarrassingly bad guitarist. Soon after, Johnson left Robinsville, uh, Robinsonville for the area around Martinsville. Why do why is it just people decided to have a town named after them? So we've got Robins mm-hmm. Robinson who wanted a town, so we called it Robinsonville. And we had you went over there and had Martinville. Yeah, that was me. Martinsville. Was my yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you a pilot there? Did you? She flies some planes. Little airport. Yeah, the little airport yeah, little, I started over there. Martin mm-hmm. Municipal Airport, whatever it's called. Municipal. Municipal. I can't say words today, Marty. Municipal Airport. Thank M- you. Municipal. Mm-hmm. Simonin. Okay, here we go. Um. Okay. Here, he perfected the guitar style of House, Sunny House, and learned other styles from a, uh, a famous musician called Isaiah Ike Zimmerman. And this is where the spook 
funky part. Oh, happened. good. Okay, it's my cue. Gotcha. Cue it in. Ready? Zimmerman was rumored to have learned supernaturally to play guitar by visiting graveyards at midnight. When Johnson next appeared in Robinsonville, he seemed to have miraculously acquired a guitar technique. House was interviewed at a time when the legend of Johnson's pact with the devil was well known among blues researchers. He was asked whether he attributed Johnson's technique to the pact, and his equivocal answers have been taken as confirmation. So it's likely that story number two is the true story of Robert Johnson, but I'd like to prefer that Robert Johnson and his troubled life took the wrong road down in Mississippi. And just readily went off and practiced. Basically, yeah, did. just... But, yeah. Uh, you that's isn't that the story behind music you think these yeah. musicians oh my gosh they're so they're up on stage and no really mm-hmm. they've just sat in their room for hours mm-hmm. practicing their craft mm-hmm. to a point of like a, a psycho breakdown and then they finally get it and then they're like i'm gonna go play this on stage because i work so hard and boom they become legends wow let yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should well it's a good thing we record this because i want to go back and quote you on that however that <laughs> sounded legends <laughs> legends <laughs> which reminds me that and i was kind of getting there when i was talking about and then you took the ball and ran with it which was perfect the whole thing about just taking your time and practicing that reminds me there's a movie i think it's did you ever see lightning in a bottle no don't think I, so i might have the title wrong we'll have to double check that but do you know who charlie parker is no don't think so ever heard of bird the birds okay (laughs) we gotta we gotta come back to this one but charlie parker very very famous well-known uh jazz saxophone player charlie parker but i heard a story and i think it's in that movie they talk about it they reference this it's the archetype of the uh sell your soul to the devil uh i found it here in eight In late, you're, con- you're contagious, Jared. In late spring 1936, Parker played at a jam session at the Reno Club in Kansas City. His attempt to improvise failed when he lost track of the chord changes. We've done that before, huh? All the time. Yeah, we've done that. They call that jazz. They call that jazz. <laughs> this, you're only a half step away from the right note, That's no matter right. where you're at. This prompted Joe Jones, the drummer for Count Basie's orchestra, to contemptuously throw a symbol at his feet i heard i think in the movie they said they threw it at his head really threw it at his feet as a signal to leave the stage however rather than discouraging parker charlie parker bird the incident caused him to vow to practice harder and turned out to be a seminal moment in the young musician's career when he returned as a new man a year later and blew their mind. He was a legend. 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 He went through a cycle breakdown. He did. He did. He went through some later too, but we'll yeah. talk about that yeah. another episode. That's cool, man. That kind of reminds me of our buddy Craig Carruthers song, Open Mike. Oh, yeah. He, he, uh, Craig wrote a song about this guy named Mike. He would go yep. to open bikes and he was terrible. Everybody thought he, you know, his songs were terrible Yeah, and got made fun of. Went away and came back and played these songs. And it, it's like, open mic, open, open mic, mic, plays the songs. songs that everyone likes. Yeah, and, first uh, it was plays the songs that no, one, no likes. one likes. Yeah. And then he's, yeah, until later it was millions like and right. made millions of dollars. So, uh-huh. Yeah. And he got Fair. the last laugh and yeah. Pretty yeah. 
there it's crazy. It's it crazy is. how that works. It yeah. is, it all ties in. So I, as I was doing, you know, as reading through this and, you know, rabbit holes as you're preparing a story, I found, oh, yeah. found something kind of cool and probably explains a lot where this legend came from. Okay. Um, the archetype. The archetype, mm-hmm. as you say. So um, there was a <laughs> There was a German legend uh, called Faust. Uh, uh, and I'm just going to read a little bit from here from the wiki page, but it's uh, Faust is the protagonist of a classic German legend based on the historical Johann Jörg Faust. Would you say Johann? Johann, Johann Jörg Faust. Johann Jörg Faust. Yeah. Okay, I like that. In America, we would say Johann George Faust. And some of us would. But go ahead, <laughs> Terry Ford. Anyways, the eroded Faust is highly successful yet dissatisfied with his life, which leads him to make a pact with the devil at a crossroads. Sound familiar? Whoa! Exchanging his soul for unlimited knowledge and worldly pleasures. Huh. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. I mean, it goes into saying, Faust legend has been the basis for many literary, artistic, somatic, and musical works that have reinterpreted it through the ages. Hence, Robert Johnson. Hence, the archetype, which basically it says is a recurrent symbol or motif in literature, art, or mythology. So, yeah, yeah, that's where that whole thing, I didn't know that. I didn't know about Faustian and Johann. Faustian, and that's the adjective they say imply, it's it's, it's a word, Faustian, which implies a situation in which an ambitious person surrenders moral integrity in order to achieve power and success for a limited term. Right on. Before the devil comes on back with his fiddle. Right on. As Charlie Daniels explains. Another Faustian reference. Yeah, that's right. So 1986 film Crossroads, uh, Steve Vai, I believe. um, Oh, yeah, with the guy from Karate Kid, right? Yeah. Is it that one? Yeah, uh, Ralph Macchio. Yeah, Ralph Macchio. In in the movie as well. And, yeah, I believe that. And I'm, yeah, Steve Vai, Robert, Rye Cooter and Steve Vai we're on the soundtrack playing guitar. There's a lot of other people. Maybe we'll we'll visit that a little bit more later because I that's one of the films. It's going to turn into seeing a little film review that we're going to do here too because I've never seen Crossroads and well, I do want to see Well, how closely it, so. is music and film? I mean, yeah. well, exactly. They yeah. go hand yeah. in hand a lot of times, and they do. Of course, they're going to use. I mean, mm-hmm. film is going to cover great stories like that of Robert Johnson, like rhinos and spiders. They go hand in hand, just like that. Like amnesia and Alzheimer's, they go hand in hand, like being a pilot when you're really not. So speaking of which, and we're going to, uh, I think we're close here to finally taking us out on this one in case you didn't already realize. And lest you should think that we are very clever are just really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> um, I use that word loosely. Uh, if you happen to know the whole pilot story from the beginning, we actually lifted that from a, we borrowed that from a famous, well, we'll call them, well, I guess we can say it's a duo because it's a back yeah, and forth. So yeah. if you know, uh, no, let's put it this way. Cause obviously it's going to be, if somebody wants to do a little homework, you can find out. So the first person who can tell us where that came from, where that bit came from, where that bit came from, we're going to give you a shout out on the next episode. Nice. We're talking about the So you're saying you're scenario. not a pilot. I'm begrudgingly. I'm admitting <laughs> be, begrudgingly or begrudgingly. I'm going to admit Whatever. that I'm not a pilot. So thank you all for tuning in again. Do we have a new record, I think, on this episode, but who knows? Woo! 
we'll see. Longest pod, a longest episode yet. But hey, who cares? We're having yeah, a good who time. Cares? You guys Check seem to be out. having a good time. Right on. We're all having a good time. Don't let us be a distraction on your Monday drive to work. Yeah, that'll be the next release. Continue to follow. Uh, look for us. Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you can find podcasts. YouTube, hopefully next. And how about website next, Jarrett? Soon? Soon. Coming soon on Coming soon. OutsideTheMic.com, right? Right. If you look at it now, you'll see it's on <laughs> Underworks. But thank you, and we will tune in with you next time. Outside the mic.